This is So Say We All. I'm Jason Ariola. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I know our opening's a little different here than multimedia failure. Um, <laughs> you know. Anyway, uh, so this week we're going to be talking about the first three episodes of the Battlestar Galactica reboot. We're going to be talking about episode one, 33, episode two, Water, and episode three, Bastille Day. Now, the reason I kind of feel like these were a good grouping is they cover the, let's say, first few weeks of the Battlestar Galactica crew being on the run from the Cylons and the challenges they encounter of just surviving this. It's not just, oh, hey, we can fight and we can jump and run away from them. There's also the just prospect of dealing with humanity as a whole and their needs and uh, some of the societal stuff that goes along with that. So did you guys feel this was a pretty good grouping as far as that goes? Because I felt like I really dug down and was trying to figure out a good way to group these things together because there's no way we can sustain this podcast in doing one episode at a time. So I thought, it's like, we need to start grouping these things together somehow. And I thought going through thematic stuff would kind of be a good thing. No, I yeah. definitely think it works, um, especially since episodes two and three kind of go hand in hand with each other. Um, and it is establishing that despite the fact that it's being a futuristic sci-fi show, it's not all hunky-dory and everything's available through a replicator or whatever, just magically there for them. They actually got to deal with, you know, resources. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the first episode is 33, and the um, basically the whole gist of this thing is the Cylons are tracing the humans' jumps, and they're coming behind them every 33 minutes just leading to the poor crew of battle of the Battlestar Galactica and just human and pretty much everyone that has to fly one of these things basically going nearly five days without or over, a little over five days without sleep. It's insane. And it's really kind of driving home um, throughout the whole episode, like how many times they've jumped. And I think one of my favorite things about this episode is just how exhausted everybody looks, which is really a great look for the first true episode. Yeah. Just everybody tired and beat up and not the usual look of everyone being pristine. Yeah, and so much desperation, too, in this one. It's like a, I mean, it's that's like a really dark scene for, not for like, I mean, kind of the rest of the series. It's like humanity has no chance, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it also, um, one of the little touches I liked was, I, I, don't, I didn't notice it so much in a lot of the other characters, but uh, Gaius in particular his eyes were constantly, not constantly, but they looked like he, they were always on the verge of tearing up. And I don't know if you guys have gone through uh, large bouts of sleep deprivation uh, like I have subjected myself to. But that happens a lot where if you have not been getting enough sleep, your eyes just feel like they're continually watering, just trying to keep you awake, basically. Oh, I mean, I don't even need sleep deprivation to do that. I just need to stay up a half hour past bedtime and I'm just crying regardless of what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, if I, um, there are days, you know, prior to me having been, or being out of work for a while, I, you know, I would be up for sometimes 20 hours on two hours of sleep, and I'm, my eyes are just watering, trying to keep me awake, and just my eyes drying out, I'm just like, oh, God, just kill me, I'm exhausted. So, seeing this, like, just that thing of Gaius, like, constantly looking like he's on the verge of tears, not just emotionally, but just physically, like his eyes are like, no, we need moisture, please, for the love of God, close us, give us a break. It really hit home for me personally, <laughs> so. 
he kind of always looks like he's on the verge of tears though, regardless of like if he actually is sleep deprived <laughs> or just like trying to be like kind of a lying douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. He does have that thing, just that weaselly little thing of like, oh no, I, I can turn on the waterworks whenever I need to. It's me, remember? Uh, from the uh, from the miniseries. It's not you, it's me, yes. basically. Yeah. <laughs> that bullshit. <laughs> One of the other things that it really does to the crew is it starts messing with their minds. Um, Callie in particular, uh, I kind of really enjoy this scene where she's sitting there staring at the clock. Why do they come every 33 minutes? Why not 34? Why not 35? And uh, Chief Tyrell just looks at her and, Callie shut up <laughs> just <laughs> so you can tell they are slowly starting to just go crazy um also this episode deals with a lot of the mechanical and technical issues of how frequently they're jumping um, some of the ships are taking a while to get their uh jump deck or jump engines like spun back up or i don't know exactly how they work in this uh universe like don't yeah but yeah they've been doing this for five days and just constantly jumping every 33 minutes you start to see a lot of wear and tear on some of the ships Never mind the crew themselves, as they are just slowly falling apart there. So, was there anything in particular about this episode that you guys really liked? I mentioned the the eye watering for myself is just a nice little detail, but anything else like big moments that really worked for you guys in this one? I mean, you kind of already mentioned it. I'm not a huge Kelly fan, but I could really relate to her with that "why every 33 minutes" uh, type questioning because I, I have a feeling that I would probably be driven to that point too, where I'm just like. Why does it have to be 33? Why can't it be any other number? <laughs> and I guess after so many times, you really start wondering, like, what's the significance? Is there some significance to it? Am I just going crazy? I'm going crazy, aren't I? I mean, I've been up for five days straight with no sleep. Oh, surely I just be going crazy. Am I talking to myself or am I out loud? Oh, shit. And it's just such a random number, too. It's not an even number or anything like that for time. So it, it just, I don't know. It is a weird number. And I really appreciate how they do not explain it at all. Never explain <laughs> why it's 33 nope. minutes. I'm just messing with them. <laughs> you do partially wonder, because I think the ideal nap time for people is 20 minutes, where you can wake up and feel refreshed any longer. You start to kind of get into like deeper sleep, and waking up from that screws you up. And any less than that, obviously, really doesn't do any good at all, because I've fallen asleep for like three minutes, and I've just felt more miserable than before. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have bothered even trying to sleep. Why did I do that? <laughs> yeah, for I sure. Mean, it definitely leads to a, a terrible method of playing cat and mouse, basically, for the humans, at least. Um, and I, I feel like I know exactly which Cylon it was that probably determined that number. But he's not introduced until, like, quite some time. Ah, okay. I think he's one of the last ones introduced, if I recall correctly. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he's the last one that you see, but he's not the last one that's actually outed. So. Okay. Yeah, I don't know I don't, which one I'm talking about. No, now. off the top of my head, no. I don't know. <laughs> All right, now. I don't uh, know how, how much I want to dump into a spoiler here on episode one discussion. Yeah, no, let's, yeah, let's, not, let's not get there quite yet. <laughs> We're treating this as sort of a supplementary to somebody watching it for the first time, and we'll kind of go with that, because I believe John actually said he's going to try to start watching it, so. One of my co-hosts from Multimedia Failure. I, I say that as if, uh, you know, everybody who listens to this knows, um, you know, the other podcast. I, well, one of the other three podcasts I do. So Get some fresh blood in. <laughs> so some of the other plot points there that are going on throughout the uh, throughout the whole episode are a Dr. Amarak who worked with Gaius at the Defense Department wanting to speak to the president and 
He was on the Olympic carrier that um, ends up not making one of the jumps. I believe it's the 238th jump. And throughout this whole little kind of subplot there, there's a lot of the religiosity going on that Six kind of keeps ramming down Guy's throat about him being chosen and want, you know, her in love with him and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, do you repent? And, you know, as he starts getting worried about the about him possibly being outed as the traitor. In particular, I feel kind of really bad for the uh, deck crew in this episode because there's absolutely no rest for them. They have no chance to get any sleep while the Vipers are out protecting the fleet, and they have absolutely no chance for a break when the Vipers come back on because they have 33 minutes to get them up and running again. Which is why Kelly's going nuts over 33. These poor people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stephanie, you mentioned, you know, not particularly, like, fond of Kelly. Uh, Venice and I were talking about this, um, just the whole, her whole involvement in the Nexium cult thing. Like, I'm really, like, having a hard time feeling bad for her in some instances, too, just because I know <laughs> what's going on there. And I'm like, oh, boy, I, I want to feel bad for you, and I, I do as a character, but, boy, you as a human being, I really, really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm pretty sure the first time that I watched this show, I did kind of like Kelly until shit goes down later on. Uh, but now I always remember what she does and all the things that happen that are directly related to her. And basically she becomes Carl of the walking dead. It's all her fault and you can't help but hate her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her as a character, like in the end, yeah, sort of, there's some stuff that happens there that I end up not liking her, but it's just her as a, her, you know, the actress itself. It's like, that's why I start having a little bit of a hard time separating the art from the artist, I suppose, in that sense. Mm. It's just like, ugh, boy, you're involved in a sex trafficking cult. That's really cool. Good for you. Okay. Oh, I had no idea about that. I thought we were still talking about in show. No, oh, no, no. I had just forgotten the name of whatever she gets involved in. No, no. This but is you're the... going real life here. Whoa, what do I not know? <laughs> oh, you haven't heard of the Nexium cult? Oh, you, you wait. Just wait. This is going to be great. <laughs> two, two people in the show get involved with that cult. Thankfully, one of them was pretty... Uh, on the sidelines of it and didn't really get too involved but uh yeah good old good old Callie there got really really deep so much so that um Ali or Allison Mack the actress from Smallville she uh well she's I think she's going to jail for like 40 years or something to that effect for the sex her role the sex trafficking and the actress I forget her name off the top of my head that plays Callie uh her her and Allison Mack got married <laughs> Wow. Yeah, no. There's a there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of bad stuff going on with this show, <laughs> with these uh, with the or with that cult that's involved in this show. It's a little, ugh. yeah. Yipes. Yeah. That yeah. is okay. Yeah, yeah, I was completely confusing things here, and wow. Okay, I guess I have a little bit of research to do later. <laughs> there's two very good docs. One's on HBO, and the other one is on Stars. So, um, yeah. Well, I have HBO. I don't have Stars, so. <laughs> yeah, the, I guess we know which one I'll look at. Yeah, uh, Grace Park is the other actress that's involved. Who plays Sharon Boomer? Uh oh, really? Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, but she. Boomer. Well, that that is that is why Callie ends up, um, let's say, leaving the show is for the cult, basically. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can get there when we get there, but that whole plot of what happens to her is that she got asked to be written off the show. So. All right. Well, make sure to make a note to uh, bring that up again when we get to that point in the series. Oh, don't you worry. It, it'll come up. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> and hopefully I won't be so, wait, what the fuck are you talking about yeah. at that point? Yeah, I mean, that's a couple seasons down the road. So, I mean, you know, yeah. you have plenty of time to get there. But, yeah, it's, it, it's creepy. So, <laughs> but, yeah, like I said, wow. I, I, I want to feel bad for Callie, but just the real life uh, things kind of stemming into there that I'm like, don't know if I can feel bad for you. <laughs> Oh, well, anyway. it turns out that her character is terrible, too, so it's there okay. Yeah, it all works out. Although it of. seems her character is terrible because her person is terrible, too. Very, very well could be that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I digress. Let's get back on track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the other thing with that whole Olympic carrier kind of plot line, it also delves into the other aspect of the survival that the humans are having to go through. Not just the lengths that they're willing to go to survive, but the lengths that they have to go to survive. Um, you know, we're in the 40,000s range of humans left in the galaxy, and they are having to make hard sacrifices later on when the Olympic carrier comes back and they have to blow it or, you know, blow it up. And there's, I believe, 1,300 people on that ship. Supposedly. So that's the, that's the kind of like concerning thing is like, you know, normally you don't want to do the, the math on that sort of things and you want to do what's best for everybody. But in this instance, it's literally just, well, do we possibly or, you know, kill everybody or do we kill these 1300 and we still have 4,500 people left? It's, it's a decision that ends up weighing very heavily on um, Adama, Rosalind and particularly Lee who actually has to pull the trigger. Starbuck actually doesn't really seem to be having as much of a hard time coping with the fact that she also shot this thing. But it's, I don't know, it it seems like this is, this may be a point where Apollo really starts having a break from the military, maybe, and is, you can kind of see, like, further down the line where that plot kind of goes, but there is something there where I think in the very first episode here, it sort of triggers something that, like, maybe this isn't where he wants to be. Yeah. I think also it helps to, to kind of, like, uh, as we know later in, you know, episode three, you know, people start to like kind of like start questioning the decisions of the authorities and realizing like, oh, these are like actually just like normal people who happen to be in charge. And maybe like, I don't know, I think this is kind of the start of that, though, where it's like, ah, we're going like, to question like decisions because they're like very impactful to the fate of humanity more so than just like a small portion of it. Yeah, this is more than just like governance decisions. This is survival decisions. And it really does impact every single human being on the fleet. Now, weren't they also questioning whether or not there were actually people on it, though? And I thought that was one of the reasons why Starbuck didn't have as much of a issue with it, because she was basically believing the Cylons had already killed everybody, and they just sent the ship back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a definite coping mechanism, because you can think that, but they were just talking to a person on the radio, too. Maybe. I mean, they do make a point of flying by one of the windows, and you don't really see anybody there. There is movement in there, though, so it doesn't, it's, and I was listening to the, uh, I started taking Franny's advice, and I started listening to the uh, director's commentary track on it, too, and they left it ambiguous on purpose as to whether Mm -hmm. or not there was people there, but they did show some people, or some movement in there, and one of them was like one of, one of the um, stage crew's like hands kind of moving back and forth, basically, so he got his own little cameo in there. (laughs) But again, could very easily be Cylons. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be humans. We yeah, don't know. Yeah, and that's just sort of a thing where Starbuck was okay with doing it because she sort of to- told herself that that's what happened, and Apollo saw movement there, and that's where he was a little, Ugh. so. And then there is the subplot of this episode, where Hilo is on Caprica, and there's not really a whole hell of a lot going on in this 
kind of segment here up until the very end when Egg Boomer saves him. It's not Boomer as far as we know because we're it's yeah, Athena. Yeah. Well, well, we, she doesn't get called Athena until later. I was gonna say we don't know which is which quite yet, so that's what I'm saying. Like it's there's two there's easier to it's easier to remember though. But no, we already know that they're two different Starbucks, uh, two different boomers. Well, yeah, I know, but that's what I mean. But we don't know which is going to end up being which as far as what does what further down the road. Does that make sense? I guess. I well, just, I mean, I'm just saying, like, people. That ap- applies to the name Athena and Boomer for distinctions. <laughs> okay. Well, as of right now, nobody's been, nobody's called either one of them Boomer or, or Athena. So. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, as of right now, anybody who's only watched episodes one through three, basically, is sort of along with us, doesn't know there's an Athena in the show. Oh, unless they okay. watched it's the... Boomer one and Boomer two. Caprica Boomer. Yeah, and just Boomer. or not. Bo- boom, yeah, Boomer and not Boomer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Boomer. <laughs> yeah, okay, Boomer and normal Boomer. There we go. Yeah, the Boomer we've seen throughout and then new Boomer. Or, yeah, it's just... Uh, it, it's a little confusing if you if you don't know what's coming, so... but. Just, yeah, if if you're watching this along with us, it'll make sense in the end. And there'll there's some good payoff for this. So, And she's also yeah. not a psycho as far as we know with the Nexium cult thing. So it's okay to still like Grace Park. So that's okay. Okay. Phew. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really... It's an interesting way of showing what's going on on Caprica without really lingering on it too much. It's a nice little side story. And I kind of forgot, like... Most of the hour-long premiere TV I watch anymore is actually, like, an hour long, and you kind of forget that the actual, like, TV hour-long shows are only, like, 44 minutes long, so it's kind of nice, actually, having something a little bit more succinct feeling at times, because it's like, oh, boy, I don't have to sit here for a full hour watching this. This is only, like, 40 minutes, and it's pretty much 40 minutes for, like, just worth of, like, good stuff going on here, so. Yeah, they get, they get to the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't linger too long on any unnecessary stuff, and I really appreciate that. You should distinguish that it's good stuff storytelling wise going on not good stuff uh for the people in the show wise well clearly not i mean you know they're right in the middle of trying to survive the apocalypse effectively for themselves so all right um anything else you guys want to add um, about this episode in particular um i just hate guys so much (laughs) (laughs) he's such a like snivelly little shit liking him ever Funny little side note, when our old house got listed for sale, which I think was shortly after our last uh, episode featuring Battlestar Galactica. I don't remember exactly when we recorded that, but I think it was at my old house still. Um, Shortly after we listed it, uh, Tim happened to drive by the house during the showings. And he said one of the people he saw looking at the house looked just like Gaius Baltar. And he thought oh, it was no. the funniest thing. That's <laughs> so funny. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know what? I actually he remember you just, telling me that. You mentioned that. Yeah, he's like, he just looked kind of sleazy with grease black, grease back, black hair. And just, ugh, it was totally Gaius. Was he wearing <laughs> a sport coat? cracking up. Was he wearing a sport coat? <laughs> I don't know. It was November, so he probably had an actual coat on. Oh, okay. Well, you know, guys would never be a slave to uh, the weather for for fashion sense. (laughs) He seems like one of those guys, like, I'm not cold. I'm not cold. I must look my best at all times. You're probably right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's go ahead then. And Oh, actually, you know what? I did have one thing here I wanted to bring up. Um, One of the quotes here that I really liked was after... Oh, boy, who was it that made the mistake? Um, oh, D. D made a mistake, and one of the ships got lost, basically. And I think that was the Olympic carrier where she couldn't keep track of it. And they didn't really 
ever like blame D for it because you know everybody knows everyone's exhausted. But Adama's line of "We make mistakes, people die. There aren't many of us left. Carry on." Adama mm. again, just one of my favorite characters. I think in anything I've ever watched, just because he has a way with words and putting it so succinctly and right to the point, and making you feel like. Yeah, I shouldn't have let you down. I'm sorry. Without actually sitting there belittling you about it. I, I love the writing for Adama. And just, you know, his... Edward James almost just really nails the hell out of that character. Oh, yeah. He, he just got, like, his, his, he's like Hispanic dad vibes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that might, that might be why Vanessa and I maybe get along... Or kind of get, get on with him so well. It's just that sort of gr- heritage, I suppose, we have. <laughs> well, right, he's calm until he's not. And you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like dad is angry at me but he's not even like he's not even yelling he's just expressing this disappointment in the the hispanic man way (laughs) i I mean my dad is polish but still very much same vibe (laughs) maybe it's just dad vibes jason do you do you vibe this way with your children are they like a little bit uh you should start doing this and see as an experiment like if Mm. you can like um not like be disappointed in them into compliance but like start expressing like little bits of like you know, like start like dropping bits of wisdom and see what what they like pick up from it. <laughs> that would require me to have bits of wisdom to drop upon them, Vanessa. <laughs> I'll start working on it. <laughs> you have time. <laughs> I'll, you know what? I'll start Googling ran, random stuff and just be like, oh, did you know? <laughs> or like find your kind of book of like your favorite quotes and start just dropping them at strange places. And they'll eventually they'll be like, oh yeah, dad used to have all these like weird quotes. <laughs> it was kind of like when we first started multimedia failure and I used to joke that I had a word of the day calendar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, my dad used to say a bunch of random stuff to me that, you know, I now realize he was pulling from uh, pop culture and sci-fi and stuff like that. <laughs> and my dad listens to this podcast, too. So he's going to be like, what exactly are you referencing here? And I'm like, I don't know. I just know a lot of of stuff i eventually see and i'm like oh so that's where he got this from (laughs) it will be my ultimate dream if i can make my children call somebody that they don't trust a fracking toaster Ooh, i like that (laughs) you can do it jason i believe in you i'll see if i can make that work (laughs) yeah i don't like that guy he's a fracking toaster what's that mean dad oh that's just somebody you don't trust (laughs) yeah start start now and see what happens (laughs) and then my wife will be like what don't tell jess yeah yeah well (laughs) You know, considering we're all cooped up in the same house, uh, you know, and they don't really get out. I, I don't know who I could even pin that on. It's like, see, this will be a fun experiment, though. So if you can, like, get your kids to call anybody ever a fracking toaster without just knowing that you're doing this fun game, <laughs> that's like the new game. <laughs> there we go. I mean, even if you just get toaster as the insult. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that's if my uh, I don't know if Jess would be too thrilled with me uh, getting my seven year old to say fracking. I don't know if the uh, school would be too thrilled with that. They're just talking about uh, uh, digging for gas. <laughs> Watch one of them. One of them is like, look, I know you're a fan of Battlestar Galactica, but you can't teach your son to curse like that. OK, I'm not buying it. <laughs> it's like, oh, OK, well, this is awkward anyway. <laughs> That's why you just stick with toaster. There we go. OK, we'll see. If, but it doesn't have the, quite the same impact. Yeah. You toaster. No. No, see? The fracking toaster really does it. Oh, boy. You know what? I will will brainstorm and try to come up with something. And then I'll run it by (laughs) Jess and see if she can come up with something because I'm probably not smart enough to. Anyway, (laughs) let's move on here.
Okay, so episode two is called Water. And again, just more survival stuff. Early on, Boomer wakes up and is just soaked. And we don't really know why. And, you know, has a bunch of, I guess would be the equivalent of C4 in our world. And some C4 blows up and water gets shot out into space. And all of this happens right after Adama and um, President Rosalind are talking about how much water they have, how the Galactica can top off the fleet for quite a while. They can go a few years before they're going to have to get themselves resupplied. And that nearly not a drop of water is wasted in the Galactica. It's all recycled. And then to have this happen, it was probably one of the few instances that instances in the show where I'm like, okay, a little too on the head guys. Yeah. They, they definitely didn't uh, spare for uh, ironic timing. No, they were definitely not subtle at all in what they were going for with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you got to fit the exposition yeah. in somewhere, but it would have been a better line to drop in like the previous episode. Well, we may not be able to get sleep, but at least we've got enough water to last for years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah as, a, as like a casual TV viewer, I appreciate it when someone's like, let me explain exactly what's happening in this episode to you. <laughs> <laughs> That is something they brought up in the commentary, too, is that they needed to make sure they never got so in on themselves that if somebody just dropped in and watched one mm-hmm. episode, that this would be a good place that they could start and maybe get interested enough to go back and watch the other stuff. So oh, the more overarching stuff made sense, but, you know, you don't want them, like, watching this in, like, three minutes in and like, I don't know what the hell's going on, click. And yet, what happened to me and why I didn't finish watching it in its initial run is because I missed too many episodes and I was so confused. I just said, screw it. I'll watch it when it's in reruns. Yeah. 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 They, they, didn't do a, they didn't do a very good job of continuing that, tr- that like track. No, I think the first season they did a pretty good job of it for the most part. And then I think the second season they started getting a little like, hey, what the hell? <laughs> we're we're kind of crawling up our own asses a little bit here. But I think the first few episodes you kind of have to leave maybe even the whole like first season, just leave that gateway for somebody to jump in and be like, Oh, okay, well this, I like this episode. I'll catch the rest of it in reruns or I'll start here and then I'll watch the other one, the earlier ones. And when they rerun them and it'll make sense then. So, so stuff like this is kind of stuff I really enjoy because it like, it gets into the details of how the ships like can manage to be away from port for so long without getting resupplied. And it's just sort of like the nitty gritty, like, reality-based stuff that I think really kind of separates Battlestar Galactica from a lot of other sci-fi shows. Um, they they do have that thing where they never really quite explain the gravity thing. I don't... <laughs> so I kind of wish they would have done something there, or but the I think it's like... jump engines. Somehow, yeah. somehow causes gravity. They don't talk about food that often. <laughs> well, um, in this very episode, uh, what's his name? Um... Gaius brings up, like, how many tons or whatever it was of food they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, like, they're, they're doing okay still. So yeah, it's like, yeah. But where are you getting the food? Yeah, so I appreciate the water thing. I, I like, it's, like, nice to have them, like, address some of the resourcing. Um, but then also I feel like they're, like, we're only going to talk about water. Don't don't ask us about where we get food. Yeah, yeah. I feel like food gets brought up later on in the show, though. Oh, that's good. I'll listen and listen for that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I, I might be just pulling it out of my ass, but I think there is a, a situation where food gets brought up uh, later on. Hmm. I don't remember specifically. Like I said, it's been two years since I watched it through. And what the first time I watched it, like the first like two, two and a half seasons, 
Um, before I binged it, I a good chunk of that I was in a like fever state. So who knows mm-hmm. how much of that I retained? Because a lot of this, <laughs> I'm watching it again, and I'm like, oh man, I don't remember this. Like, oh, this is a lot more clear now. This makes more sense. So I don't know <laughs> if it's having watched the whole series and coming back to it like this, or if it's oh, my brain's functioning properly. I can actually absorb some of this. Probably both. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I only last watched it a few months ago, but I also watched so much sci-fi where every once in a while things do blend together. So, yeah, we'll find out. Yep, we will. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. So some of the eventually you'll be like, Stephanie, you were wrong. You were thinking (laughs) of the expanse or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, we won't. By that time, we're not going to remember that we even had this conversation. Yeah, I I was going to say, Stephanie, you are giving my brain far too much credit on retaining information. Okay, I I appreciate it, but it ain't there. (laughs) Hey, I don't know what notes you're writing down. I don't keep them. Oh, no, no. This is on a single doc that I erase and come back to every or erase and like start a new every single episode. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> Do you think I've really kept every like three to 4,000 words I wrote for multimedia failure? Dear God, I would just be sad looking back at those. <laughs> yeah. You have to just throw your computer out the window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At that point, be like, honey, I need to buy a new computer again. It's like, this is the third one this week. Well, we're trying to get ahead. So it's like, can you just at least put them all in the same thing and then throw it out the window? Nope. Sorry. Not doing it. <laughs> so there's a lot of cute little things in this episode, I thought. Um, like when Colonel Ty wakes up and is checking how much booze he has left. And then um, he obviously fell off the wagon and is coming in there just, let's say, rather jolly for the meeting that he's having about the water supply and stuff. Yeah. I mean, can you blame him for falling off the wagon, though? Oh, no, absolutely not. But when that that's all you have left with the possibility of never getting any more. Eh, maybe I would yeah. wait a little bit longer outside of like a week. <laughs> Good point. But um, it's still got to suck. Yeah. <laughs> One of the other cute moments was um, Billy talking to Rosalind about how, you know, how she looked and, you know, Rosalind commenting, you don't know how to talk to women, do you? Or you don't know <laughs> anything about women. And then Billy trying to flirt with D later. And he's like, I like your hair. And she's like, my hair? And just kind of like this, like, okay, sort of thing. And he's like, he turns away and literally says, I don't know anything about women. Oh, yeah, Billy. <laughs> feels so bad, or feels so bad for Billy. It's like the poor guy. It's like, he's just trying. I mean, she's the one who like literally like breaking neck on him. And he, like, now he's trying to do something. And it's like, D, it's like, D you've got to realize you're the, the strong personality in this relationship. You kind of got to cut the dweeby little dude some slack here, okay? <laughs> See, personally, I would like it if somebody compliments my hair, because I take pride in my hair. I wish somebody would compliment mine, but eh, it's, mine stopped growing back, so I'm not going to get that anymore. So. I was going to say, aren't you bald? Yep, that's why. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Jason, Jason, your hair is so pretty. Oh, thank you, Ness. I appreciate it. So soft that. and luxurious. You're welcome. <laughs> all, all two thirds, or no, well, one third of it that I have left, so that's great. <laughs> Anyway, thank you. I feel pretty now. Uh, all right. So uh, one of the other little things that I kind of liked was um, it was a real subtle moment when Gaius went to go play the um, card game with Starbuck is he mentioned he didn't have any credits and Gaeta just went digging in, into his pocket for credits to lend Gaius. Gaeta loves Gaius so much. It's it's a little too much of a bromance there. And it's <laughs> a one way street, obviously. I know. Poor Gaeta. He's trying so hard. <laughs> Yeah, especially what happens later, but, you know, so. Gaius is, like, literally, like, just the worst. Yeah, you can see a lot of, I think this is a nice, uh, a 
nice character development episode because it's not so like a like yeah they're looking for water but they're like but the water's already gone so we can we have it like there's no like immediate besides the water shortage emergency that like the whole crew has to like center themselves on so you get to see some of these moments and again we've talked about it i think that's battlestar galactica's strongest suit is its character development the, the fact that it lets time for this or for these moments to happen is just one of the reasons why i fell so hard for this show in the first place definitely agree so there's a few other plot points going on here um and of course the big one was boomer and the detonators and Okay, I gotta run this by you guys, because later on when they're looking for water, turns out there is a detonator in Boomer's Raptor, and she seems surprised about it, and then, but she also seems kind of horrified, like, when she sees that she's pinged water, she starts reaching her hand down there, and so I'm not sure if she was going to blow herself up if she found water, was it, if she was going to do that, was she going to take the suspicion off of her, or that, you know, she had you know, stolen those detonators in the first place? Or was she genuinely having problems um, saying that she had found water? Because she told, um, oh, God, what's the uh, what, what's her co-pilot's handle? I don't even remember. Yeah, I can call him co-pilot. Yeah, yeah, her co-pilot. <laughs> unimportant, unimportant co-pilot. <laughs> Kilo replacement. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. I keep wanting to say hot dog because that's, uh, that's one of the character names that stuck out with me that um, Starbuck picked for some of the other pilots that they end up recruiting yeah, later. Yeah, he's down. not around yet. So. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not a hot dog. It's just trying to eh, crash down. That's what it is. It's crash down. Yeah. That's, a ter- that's a terrible nickname for yeah. a pilot. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 not great. <laughs> but that is hot dog. <laughs> so yeah, the hot dog makes sense in how she picked it. Yeah, that's I'm true. just gonna stick with Hilo's replacement. Okay, we'll go with Hilo's <laughs> yeah, replacement. Not, not Hilo. Yeah, yeah, totally not, not Hilo. Hilo. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it like. Through this thing, was she actually fighting against her silent programming? Just, I don't know. I'm I'm a little confused as to, like, what was going on. Do you guys have any thoughts? Yeah, well, the way I took it was that, like, uh, it's her fighting her own silentness because she ends up being, like, a kind of, like, an okay silent anyway-ish. Sometimes, whoops. I drop everything in my desk. <laughs> Edit out, ignore. Um, so to me, it's like I feel like I, I don't know how the. De- I, I mean, she ha- obviously put the detonator there. I don't know what the deal with the detonator itself was, but I know like her, like it was her not being able to say to the humans, like, "Oh, I found water," because she was looking at it and struggling to like make that sentence come out of her mouth. Yeah, I also thought the same thing. It was her wanting to be boomer but also having to deal with the fact that she's actually a Cylon and her Cylon half doesn't want her to tell them that they have found water and the whole thing with the detonator I took it as more of in case uh, not Hilo had noticed the water she could blow it up blow them both up before he could report back uh, like, hey we found water oh, okay, that's, cool. that's how I, I took the detonation there was she knew she would be sent out to scout and she could go ahead and just not say anything because of her Cylon double agent self but if not Hilo uh, had relayed back well then they clearly have water so she could just blow them both up and then nobody knows about the water but okay, in the okay. end she overcomes and I mean, that's how I took it. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, Wait, that, way to decipher that for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, so I feel real dumb. Thank you. Because, <laughs> I mean, she did tell him to check again, check again, because she couldn't get the words out herself. Yeah. Uh, but I guess they were scanning different areas, or was she tampering with his scan? I can't remember that. I think, they were, I think they were scanning different areas. 
Yeah, because both times she pinged water, and neither time did he. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's what I took as to why she keeps telling him to check again, because she can't get herself to say it. But she's also struggling with, if he does find it, well, then is she going to blow them both up, or is she going to actually let him report back? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. All the fun double agent doesn't want to be a double agent stuff. Yeah, yeah. It does leave a little bit of... Um... I would, I would say mystery as to exactly what's going on in Boomer's head. Um, except there's a scene at the end that I feel like I didn't really appreciate for that kind of idea of what they were running or what they were trying to do. So she ends up getting back and she kind of, you know, lets Tyrell know that she needs to go check her seat um, so she can or so he can go remove the detonator for her. And they have a moment in the. Um, you know, in their little closet effectively later. So they're, you know, making out or whatever and blah, blah, blah. They're happy. And, you know, Tyrell's like, I got it taken care of. Don't worry about it. The Master of Arms has no idea it's you. Don't worry about it. This can't be traced back to you. It, it's fine. We, we've got this taken care of. And she seems very, you know, relieved until she's walking down the hallway and she's very cold looking. And you do wonder, like, okay, how much of this was calculated? So then, Oh boy. So then maybe even your theory there, Stephanie, I, now this is just me adding to it now. It's like, did she have it there and was debating about doing that so she could maybe infiltrate even further? Like, mm-hmm. hey, like, hey, you can trust me. I found this. And then, you know, kind of so, sort of implant herself even further in the crew, basically. I mean, it's all conspiracy theory stuff at this point, but yeah, it's it's just that moment of her like walking and she has zero emotion, does not look saddened, does not look, you know, happy that she, you know, that she's not going to be found out. She just deadpan. And it really makes me wonder, like, well, how much of the Cylon stuff is going on and how much of this is all calculated Cylon programming or, you know, thought processes? And it's just like, boy, yeah. (laughs) But could that part, could that expression also be her Cylon half just kind of being um, more irritated that the human wannabe self overpowered her programming? Hmm. I don't know. Like I said, it's just that, it's just that deadpan face because obviously it, or not obviously, I want to say on the way I interpreted the, it, the last interaction with Tyrol and um, Boomer was she was faking that she was happy that Tyrell got it. Like she was just playing Tyrell like a, you know, like a tiny little uh, violin there and just like, Hey, come on. No, you helped me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm so relieved walking away and just deadpan like God. Okay. Did what I had to do. Mm. Yeah. And she is very insistent that like, you need to be on my side about this. You need to, which obviously like if he was doing his job, um, he wouldn't he, 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 like it's pretty clear what's going on here or it's not clear but it's like highly suspicious and yeah. he should be better at being a military personnel person i guess yeah yeah oh yeah like i said there's I a lot know. of there's a lot of stuff that they kind of leave up in the air with this for this episode and i like it for the building of the mystery but at the same time like i said it just that last instance like threw everything i knew out the window I was like oh okay well what maybe not i don't know I mean, it does kind of add on to the fact that Boomer is a very complex character. Uh, every iteration of her model that we make, that we meet, has more. Um, has a very complex inner 
uh, what's the phrasing I'm looking for here? Um, just like her own set of morals that does kind of deviate from the general Cylon train of thought. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to be a little bit more spread through her particular model. Whereas like six, we have Caprica six, who is very much like our boomers, but most of the other sixes are not as, as free thinking, um, as her model tends to be. Yeah. So yeah, all of this just adds up to the fact that she is a very complicated character. Her whole model line is. (laughs) Yeah. And we do see further down the line, in the series that there is a lot of deviation amongst the thinking of the Cylons. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not all just a hive mind thing. Like we might believe because I mean, clearly the way boomer and six alone, I mean, you know, the multiple iterations of six, um, they all think differently. I mean, you know, just those two models alone. And then some of the other people that are, you know, we find out are Cylons later, they definitely have some different perspectives on how things should happen. And, even, I believe it's on the next episode where the Weasley tour guide that I don't remember off the top of my head's name, um, that turned out to be a Cylon and Six are overlooking um, Hilo and Boomer 2, New Boomer, whatever you want to call her. Um, you know, they have different kind of viewpoints as far as the fate of humanity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, Cylon stuff in there that you really have to like, okay, well, how much of this is going to play into anything? Or is it just like, okay, well, maybe it's just, geez, maybe I'm overthinking some of this stuff, you know? You know, it's pretty terrible that the the tour guide Cylon actually is a somewhat important character. And yet I can never remember which number he is even. He's just <laughs> tour guide Cylon. Yeah, I honestly I don't think it really matters because I mean I know he's important, but we'll get there when we get there. I mean right now, <laughs> right now he's right now he's just right now he's just Weasley tour guide. So <laughs> tour guide Cylon, let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of uh, tour guide Cylon, we kind of go back to, and I don't think we see him in this episode, but we go back to the B story of Hilo and New Boomer on Caprica. There's not really a whole lot going on outside of the relationship development. Until the very end when they pick up a military transmission on the radio and they are so overjoyed that they nearly just start sucking face right there. So it makes you wonder, like, okay, was this thing going on the whole time where she's like, you know, she's, uh, you know, with Tyrol the whole time and then she's secretly got it for Hilo too? Or is this just a, um, a Cylon trick? You know, it does kind of... Well, this one, I think the other Cylons seem to have, like, put her there. Or, like, this was, like, a plan, right? Like, mm-hmm. obviously, um, because she exists still. Um, but it'd be interesting to know, like, how much of, like, like does that, does not Sharon have any Sharon knowledge? Like, how much of, like, how much of a shared, I guess, past does this not Sharon Cylon have? Well, they actually do address that. Um, and it said that up until the moment she appears, basically, they were the same Sharon. Um, and later on, I mean, this might be a few episodes later. It might be a few seasons later. I don't remember exactly, but it's revealed, revealed that Hilo always kind of had a thing for her. Um, and I think that's part of why the Cylons decided to use the Sharon model to try and seduce him. And she just ends up falling in love with him as well, because they already knew from the Sharon that's still the boomer back on Galactica, um, that, he had feelings for her. And so it was just a matter of seeing if they could actually push that all the way, if she acted like she was returning them and if she did return them. 
because that whole thing was to figure out, I mean, that was her, Sharon Ann Six's big thing was, can they love? Yeah, that's true. Mm. Oh, boy. Yeah, there's, like I said. Thank you, thank you, thank you for remembering that for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm not jumping ahead any further than the episode that we're talking about, basically. Like, I've watched a couple of the movies that, you know, that were done after the series has finished mm-hmm. in the last few weeks. But beyond that, I'm trying to just stick with what I sort of remember this way. I'm a little less confused as we're watching, but <laughs> I'm just trying to stick with, you know, what we, what we're actually talking about this way. I don't get too far ahead here. And unfortunately I ended up, I, I intended to just watch it at a slow pace, but then I got so into it again that I ended up binging all of it. Not that long ago. So yeah, <laughs> Um, it's really hard for me to filter out when things are revealed. <laughs> Let me accept. <laughs> so, if I'm opening my mouth, be prepared for potential spoiler warnings. Um, I guess not warnings, but this is your warning yeah. that my mouth being opened is potential spoilers. There you go. <laughs> That's what you were looking for. <laughs> Let's move on to the last episode that we're going to cover today, and that is episode three, Bastille Day. So this was something that was alluded to in the miniseries originally, and we're dealing with the prisoner ship and how the prisoners are going to be treated. Um, In the director's commentary, they did actually go back and overdub after um, the miniseries aired how many prisoners were on the ship and effectively like what kind of chip or ship it is because Billy was relaying the information to Rosalind and they overdubbed Billy basically to make to kind of fix that in the um like opening sequence hmm. interesting yeah like I said the director commentary it, it, there's not a huge amount of stuff that's like oh you know there's there's all this new information but you know it's not quite like uh, Franny felt with the Babylon 5 uh, the gathering thing where it's probably better that way <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, um, yeah, so, you know, water's been found, but now there's the question of who's going to get it because it's backbreaking work, incredibly dangerous. And, you know, we are on a limited supply of human beings. And this kind of begins to show how marginalized people are treated in this universe, whatever you want to call it. Whether or not they were marginalized prior to their incarceration isn't really the point. They're marginalized now because they're lumped together as hardened criminals. So from the, you know, whatever, maybe the smallest offense that could land you in the same thing there to murder, these people are all lumped together as the same group. And I believe it was Adama who even said they're hardened criminals. On the way for parole, though. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and Apollo is the one who brings that up. And, you know, like, hey, some of these people aren't completely hardened criminals but it does make you wonder how somebody like Zarek is thrown in with this bunch if some of them are on their way for parole and then you have somebody who's as dangerous 
as everyone seems to think Zarek is, is mixed in with them, you know? Evil Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, OG Apollo. <laughs> yeah, but he's evil in this universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or, is, well, or is he? Not really mm. evil, but compared to our very, very goody two-shoe boy Apollo, he's evil Apollo. Yeah, yeah. So there is a minimal amount of the, I just want to touch up on it real quick here since we were sort of just talking about it, but the uh, Hilo and New Boomer plotline in this one, this is um, six, and I actually did look it up here for the notes. I have it. It's five. He's number five. Oh, okay. Well, I'm watching from above, and they sort of lament as to the fate of humanity and, you know, six bringing up that they're the children of humans, and she feels bad that they, that the humans are having to die basically for them to move forward, but... You know, five is the one who's very the cold, calculating Cylon in this instance, where he says, "You know, well, parents have to die eventually for their children to blossom." And it's like, well, I don't know if that's entirely true. I mean, parents have to die just because of the nature of living, but I don't know if I would really need my, you know, um, either one of my parents to have dropped dead for me to turn into who I am. You know, it's like I'm good. I'm good. I'm gonna be. I'm pushing forty here. Like, you know, I don't. I think I'm. I think I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, likewise, I'd, I'd prefer that my parents and even my grandparents not drop dead to make me, you know, grow, because I'm doing pretty good with all of them still around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down to my mom and my dad can drop dead, so, you know, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I'm down to my mom, so I'm like, that's literally, like, the only family I, outside of my, you know, um, like, half-sister and my brother I have left, so I'm like, yeah, pretty much, like, my mom i hope he's around for a while my hey my dad he, you know he caught covid and i was like uh, it was kind of bad i felt sitting there crossed my fingers <laughs> oh yeah i was oh. like this might be it come on covid oh you motherfucker god damn it <laughs> would have yeah, lost my shirt at that table your dad is um let's not talk about your dad no absolutely but... not there's no need yeah, to bring I, that up. <laughs> I've got a very young family, though. So if Five's mentality were right, um, my family would not have a very long lifespan. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole prison thing, it, you know, it turns out we've, we meet Zarek here, who is um, played by Richard Hatch, who played the or who played Apollo in the original Battlestar Galactica series. He's a freedom fighter slash terrorist. It like we talked about before, it always kind of depends on your perspective. Um, Billy sees him as a freedom fighter, and D, who is from the same planet, or no, was it? Yeah, it was D, um, who's from the same planet as Zarek, sees him as a terrorist. So, mm-hmm. on this ship, he incites a revolution, and this is where Apollo is on there, too, and you start really seeing, like, Apollo as more than just a hotshot pilot. There's a lot of political savviness to him here, in his negotiations, in his ability to stay calm when things are really hitting the fan, and also that he smuggled Zarek's book in, which was banned, to read it in college. Because he wanted to see it, and his ability to also tell people, or his ability to see people for what they are, and maybe their actions, what they're actually trying to achieve. Especially, um, because with Zarek at the end there, he you know, is making himself out to be a martyr. That's what he wants. And Apollo basically is like, no, not happening. No, you're not going to just die here and be a martyr. You are going to have to follow through with what you're wanting. And what Zarek is wanting is there's nothing wrong with it. Particularly. It's just the way they're going about it is he wants elections. He wants a free election 
to decide the leaders of the of the human race. And I completely understand that. But Rosalind was, you know, she's not duly elected, but in the, you know, if, if we're going to maintain the same form of government that we had before, she's the person that's supposed to be president right now. She only has a few months left on her term, effectively, because she's serving out the other president or the, you know, the former president's term. So I, I don't know, like, I feel like this is where Zarek crosses that bridge of, hey, I want what we deserve if we're going to maintain this government because he just insists like, hey, we're doing it now and I'll incite violence to get it. Yeah, I mean, there's due process and all that fun stuff, but you're right. She did only have a few months left and I guess his concern could be that she wasn't going to uh, relinquish power and do an election when that time actually came. Mm -hmm. But still, it's like, he was just eager for the change to happen right when it should have just been getting ready to happen. Yeah. Yeah. When, you know, I mean, granted, I think in Canada, they only allow like, or maybe it's Australia, like a month of election stuff uh, for you to start Gosh, like ramping up a campaign. Oh boy. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for people to start announcing their candidacy next week. Uh... Yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, like you would think like, okay, if the election isn't going to happen, and Zarek starts this, I can be a little bit more sympathetic, but his actions here, I'm like, dude, it's only seven months. Like, wait and see what happens. It's not like she's a, like a horrible human being. I mean, you know, I don't know. It, it just seems like there's this sort of thing where he pushed it a little too far too soon. If I think more people would have been sympathetic to his cause if, again, Rosalind just sort of refused to abdicate. And if she had lost the election or just did not want to run an election, I could see... Zarek's side a lot more, and I think a lot more of the human survivors probably would have sided with him in the end. Right. But at the time he was doing it, it was just him challenging power that was more or less holding together and getting them somewhat, um, you know, safe. They're not dead yet. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Cylons wiped out billions of people, and these are the last 50,000 or so left, and they haven't gotten them killed so far, so let's, especially, you know, having been, been up for five days straight, jumping every 33 minutes, the fact that they only lost a few thousand in that, uh, probably pretty impressive, I think. Mm -hmm. All things considered. Yeah, yeah. Small price to pay there, so... So there's a couple, like, small little details in here. You find out Starbuck is actually not just a good shot in the cockpit, but she's also a good shot out of it. It just, Starbuck is just the sort of ultimate, like, badass throughout the whole show. I, I, I think we've, I think we've talked about this before where, um, maybe it was even like the second episode of this podcast where a woman being competent at her job is not necessarily a badass. It's just because of the whole patriarchy thing that we see that as like, oh, if you're competent, you're a badass. No, it, it, in my opinion, Starbuck is an absolute badass. Like she is better than the men at her job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's sure. not yeah, she's not just competent. She's a badass. So <laughs> I want to just make that clear that like I'm not just like, oh, because she's competent, she's a badass. No, she is a genuine badass. Like she can go toe to toe with anybody in this universe without too much problem. She is competent and then some. <laughs> there you go. Therefore, and, yeah, badass. Yeah. <laughs> um one of my kind of absolute favorite things here though, um, is her going toe to toe with Ty later on. Uh Starbuck goes to Ty looking for reconciliation, much like Ty went to Starbuck for the same in the miniseries. And this time it's Ty who kind of stonewalls her and tells her the difference in my problems are personal. Yours are professional. 
It is, I love the two of them. <laughs> they have such an incredible dynamic. It is very much grumpy old dad and child who's just being disobedient. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of dig that. So anything in particular uh, that stood out to you guys in this episode? For me, I enjoyed like the, the drama of the the prison ship and um, that we just talked about and forgot his name, leader of the prisoners. Oh, <laughs> Zarek. Zarek. Zarek, thank you. I don't know why I forgot about that. That we were we just said his name. That's okay. Um, I think it's I think it's interesting and also to like um, I don't know like it's a good plot point to say like well is this government going to like how it how will the future of this government function? Maybe episode three is a little bit like too soon for this, but I get like the view of the prisoners too, but that they're kind of terrible. Um, like if they weren't kind of terrible, like what is the like what is the inequality of this human race when there's this ship of people who have already been judged from the before times? They also weren't that great, so I guess it's a non-issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, how about you? I mean, anytime there's a Zarek episode, I'm always like, hee hee, it's Apollo and Apollo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me being me. Um, I wasn't even that big of a fan of the original Battlestar Galactica. It, it's just the whole fact that I know who he is. I, I giggle every time uh, the two of them share screen together. Um but, I mean, pretty much the same thing Vanessa just said about how they're still treating these people with the same, these these prisoners, with the same um, methods that they were before the Cylons attacked when, yes, they were terrible t- people, but still they need every man and woman and any person in general to be able to maintain uh the, the human population and human civilization. Um, and none of these people were even being given an opportunity to redeem themselves, really. Um, and I guess in a way, that's what they were coming at them with this mission for. Uh, yeah, it's super deadly, but hey, you might get time off your sentence. <laughs> it, it did show the the grayness of this... this uh, the moral the conundrum there? Yeah. Um, and how they, they were kind of refusing to let go of the life that they once had, even though it's virtually impossible to actually have it anymore. Yeah. And to a point, you know, I brought that up already, but I sort of see Zarek's point that, mm-hmm. but, you know, Adama is just by default the leader of the military because he's the highest ranking official now. And Rosalind is by default the leader of the civilian populace because she is by default the highest ranking member of the previous administration. So I, I understand where he's coming from that, like, yeah, the secretary of education, a school teacher, is now in charge of everybody. But it, yeah, I mean, they're just regurgitating what I said before. It's like, dude, it's seven months. If she had literally just started her term. Then I could understand, like, okay, hey, 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 we, 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 we've got to talk about this because you were 45th in line or whatever for, for the presidency, and now you're the president for the next X amount of years, however long a term is in this universe. I completely would understand it there, but again, seven months, dude, just chill. But, I mean, I was also referring to the fact that the prisoners were just still straight up prisoners. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even though what some of their crimes may have been may be completely irrelevant nowadays. I mean, like... What if one of them was a bank robber? Oh, what bank are they going to rob? Yeah. <laughs> and things like that. Hold on. I'll, mean, I'll, I'll, I'll fill in as Adama here. 
well, then he starts stealing resources, and then we've got to be really careful. Because <laughs> <laughs> we want to steal money before where it didn't actually hurt anybody. This, our very resources depend on our very survival. I mean, I guess there is eventually a black market, so... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> people go to people. That's all I can say. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But still, it, it is something that I think should have been addressed, and I don't think they... I, I think Zarek was just all about the election, not even about the fact that prisoners are still being held on charges for a civilization that doesn't exist anymore. Right. And this is where um, leading or, you know, kind of going from that point to getting back to Apollo and his political savviness. He I love how he throws in Rosalind and Adama's face that, you know, they're questioning him. Like, why did you make this deal with him that they'll that he'll have this election? You made a deal with the devil. And, you know, he's like, OK, so if we're going to maintain a real form of government here that we had previously and we're going to work with this previous form of government, then he's right. We have to have an election in seven months. Plain and simple, we have to have somebody that's duly elected. If you're saying that you're rulers for life, then what the hell am I even doing? I don't answer to any of you then. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I think it really kind of threw out there, like, just how smart Apollo is. And kind of, um, maybe he got coaxed into and uh, into being a viper jockey in the long run. Because yeah. his dad did say, you know, a man is not a man until he earns his viper wings. Yeah, it'd be hard to, like, not, and well, especially with, like, the brother thing, too, right? Like, he's, his, like, more, his options based on his history were probably pretty limited in his own head. Yeah. Yeah, definitely yeah. no pressure on him to be a pilot. None at all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think that's kind of a really cool thing about this show, too, is, like, when you get to the end, you really do kind of wonder how much of this was planned out from the beginning, and then you read about the, the writing and the writing process and all that type of stuff. And you find out that they didn't actually have the story completely fleshed out, which in some areas you can definitely tell they didn't, but in <laughs> uh, other <yeah>. spots, <laughs> in other spots, it definitely seems like they had this in mind at the very get go. But instead it turns out it was just writers actually paying attention to what their characters have already done. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really kind of a, a cool testament to the writers that you had in this show, because here we are, only episode three, and we really are starting to see Apollo's political uh, skills. And again, Stephanie is talking, so there are spoilers coming out of her mouth, but <laughs> it, it leads to him eventually going into that that realm of this world. And... It wasn't something that was planned in episode three. It's just the writers were aware of what they had already done. And so they took him in that direction. Yeah, it's almost as if they paid attention to the characters. And as plot lines kind of happened, they thought, okay, well, how would this person react to the situation? What would they do here? What would they do there? And that's, like you said, Stephanie, just a sign of good writers paying attention to the characters they've created. And there are certain times where um, a a writer is so set on a particular plot line happening that they ignore the characters. And I'm, I'm saying this as a writer myself, where you have this idea for a plot and you want to try and stick to that plot regardless of what your characters have done. And it happened to me one time where I went with my plot and it just kept nagging at me because because it no longer fit the characters that I had written. And I hit this tremendous wall of writer's block because 
of that one scene where I stuck with the plot instead of the character. And I think a lot of TV shows, because you end up with multiple writers hopping back and forth doing stuff, um, that they forget things that were done uh, to characters. And yeah, this writing team, it's not like Babylon 5 where one guy wrote the bulk of it. There's a lot of people who wrote this show, (laughs) but they all paid attention to what those before them did. At least for the most part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some, <laughs> there's some oddball instance, instances here and there, but for the most part, this show is very consistent with how characters would react based on previous things that they've done. And I, again, I think subtly without me realizing it, that's another reason why I fell in love with this show is not just mm-hmm. like the characters are really good because I didn't know, you know, that little factoid there, Stephanie, until I think you brought it up, and maybe even in the first episode of this podcast, that that's how they handled the show. And it was just like, Oh, Holy shit. Like, man, they, these writers really, really dug into this world and their characters and decided like, okay, we've got plot. We've got a plot sort of, let's kind of work with it. And we'll just see where it takes us sort of on a week to week basis nearly. And that's almost dangerous. And I'm kind of amazed it worked at all in the long run. And sometimes when you let the characters drive the story, you can get a way more interesting tale to tell than when you let the, story guide the characters yeah and this is one of the earlier examples of a show that i feel it's character driven Uh, you know in this aired in 2008 and that wasn't as prevalent as it is today where there's a lot of 2008 we're talking 2005 oh was it 2005 okay 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 sorry jeez louise (laughs) (laughs) oh no i'm thinking i'm thinking of the last movie that aired in 2008 yeah, no, okay. the original season, okay. um, it, it was originally in 2004, and then it hopped over to sci-fi in 2005. Okay, yeah, so in in the intervening 15 years, a lot more has come with character-driven shows, but this was a very early one, especially for, let's say, basic cable. Mm-hmm. This was not the par for the course at the time, where, you know, every network has a you know drama that you could get lost in for years. I mean, even networks that I've never heard of, like uh, even streaming services like Crackle and Tubi have their own like unique TV series. And I don't know how that works <laughs> when they're free. It's like, well, you're advertising. How does that? Work? OK, anyway. But also one of the last little things, uh, tidbits here. Uh, this uh, this is something I caught in the um, in the director commentary or whatever commentary. Zarek makes a reference to the mythology thing. This is the first time this is brought up as far as the crossing of our Greek mythology and whatever the gods in Battlestar Galactica are. And this is where I think if you're like, you're one of those people that like analyzes a show real deep and probably watched this the very first or, you know, during its first run, you had that week or so to sit and talk about it and think about it and wonder what was happening. Like it makes you, this will, this could be that entrance way into thinking like how, our world and Battlestar Galactica's world are linked together. And it's not how you think it is. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's all very confusing and it's all happened before and will happen again. So anyway, so that about we all. <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps up my thoughts on episode three there. Uh, guys, anything else you want to add or should we kind of just talk about the thing in general here and we'll wrap up? I think we've covered most of it. Vanessa, anything you wanted to add? Vanessa, you're muted. Did we lose her? No, I see she's muted. 
as always, I'm just sitting mute over here. <laughs> I was saying, it's like, you know, I was going on this great, beautiful, brilliant tirade over here. Um, no, I think it's, it's just nice to be, to be watching this again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as far as a grouping of things goes, um, I'm really happy with these first three episodes. I don't really think there was much as far as like weak moments go outside of the... They did spend a minimal amount of time on the Hilo and uh, Boomer, new Boomer uh, thing, but I sometimes feel like we could have dealt without that altogether. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. I kind of like that subplot, but mostly because of what it leads into. Mm-hmm. So if, if we didn't have that, um, a lot of the stuff that comes to be would be just kind of random. Okay. Um, it, it gives you a little bit more of a view into the fact that the Cylons are kind of manipulating and uh, also shows that we can have two of them running around at the same time. So who knows what's actually going on in the fleet right now? And bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, so I think this grouping worked out pretty well, all things considered, because there's there's a whole lot going on in this show in general. And. It's uh, it's a lot to digest at times, but I think having three episodes that show with the basics of humanity's survival, just the need for sleep, the need for resources to consume, and how you treat your human beings, uh, you know, from the lowest of the low on up, I think they did a pretty good job of touching base with most of that, even if they did sort of maybe back up a little bit as far as the like how they deal with marginalized people in this world, because I think eventually they kind of show what happens with the prisoner thing, but at the same time, it's like, eh, you know, they don't really touch on that too, too much. Oh, well, anyway, I think... That spoiler will keep her mouth shut right now. Okay, fair, (laughs) fair, yes. (laughs) All right, so I think that'll wrap up this episode of So Say We All. So, Vanessa, you and I do a podcast together. Do you want to promote it? Because I normally do all the damn promotions, so it'd be nice to have you promote something for us. You're actually tired of talking? Yes. (laughs) Um, yes, you can listen to us talk about um, movies that are not as good as Battlestar Galactica, but still very entertaining on Multimedia Failure, a movie where we watch every single, not every single now, but every single video game podcast or a movie based on video games worth watching and rank them arbitrarily against each other. How about uh, every video game movie ever made not made by Uva Bull? There we go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would still say most of these are still not worth watching. <laughs> Uh, you know, they're better than those movies, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Sort of damning with faint praise there. And then we're also doing the Game Club again, and our latest episode that is up still as of, well, you know, not like a take them down or anything, but, you know, the latest episode, we had a delightful talk with the creator, director, and co-writer of Murder by Numbers, a Phoenix Wright meets Picross game. <laughs> and Ed was just an absolute delight, I think. Vanessa and I were riding high on that episode for for a good while, and then we had to do the postal episode of Multimedia Failure, and we were just bummed out. <laughs> yeah, it was a downer. Yeah, and yeah. that's why you turned around with a Battlestar episode. Yeah, we needed now something. We're, now we're about uh, centered again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only to have to watch Resident Evil Extinction for our next record, so that's great. Not the best one. Not, no. Not the, not, not the best one. Not the worst one. <laughs> oh, well, that's good to hear, at least. I didn't think we needed to watch the maybe worst Resident Evil after watching the worst movie we've seen in this endeavor back to back. That would be really, well, I mean, bummer. I mean, it might be the worst Resident Evil. We'll find out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched it in really a long time, so I don't know. <laughs> so we'll see. But anyway, Stephanie, Sheesh, ha- you make me so happy to know that this is the podcast that you and I do together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, poor Vanessa now is on three of the podcasts I do. So, 
Although you kind of guessed on this one just for Battlestar Galactica. So at least you got that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and only at least the, only the, the good parts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, at least it's a nice change of pace from a terrible, terrible, terrible video game movie to get to watch some good solid TV. Yeah. <laughs> it just, just has had some terrible video games based on it. But yeah. Anyway, uh, Stephanie, how about yourself? Uh, what about myself? Plugs. Oh, I'm doing my what I do. In Plugs, yes. Stuff. That's what we do at the end of every episode, Stephanie. Hasn't changed. <laughs> uh, you never know. Yeah, Maybe you know. it has. I don't know. Um, well, you can find me over on Instagram as Witches Teacup. Um, and there I do mostly tea reviews now, but I am going to slowly be branching out and doing a few other things. Um, I mean, my name is a Witches Teacup. I focus a lot more on the teacup than the witchy side. So I'm going to branch out a little bit. So if you're into any of that type of stuff, you can check me out there. Um, it, thanks to, you know, naming systems, it's a little funky, so I'm sure Jason will have it linked somewhere so you get the proper way to go to it. Um, and then over on Twitter, you can find me there, uh, as Elcrea. Um, and with Twitter, I am either ranting about raving, ranting about raving. Uh, that's not what I meant to say at all. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I'm either ranting about politics or just rambling about my writing. Um, and every once in a while, there's some Sailor Moon shit thrown in there, too. Um, so that's really where you can find me most actively. Um, Instagram or Twitter. Depends on what you're interested in. As for the show itself, you can follow the show at So Say We All Pod. I don't need to spell that out, thankfully, unlike some of my other podcasts where it's like, oh, this is a little... little um, abstract on how you get there this is literally just so say we all pod we are over there so if you have anything you want to tweet to us suggestions stuff like that we also have an email that i am going to have to look up at the moment because i actually kind of forgot what it was off the top of my head because i haven't given it out yet i created the email specifically for this podcast and for the life of me i don't remember what it is hold on <laughs> thank god for editing right <laughs> oh yeah so that email is actually real simple so say we all podcast at gmail.com how did you forget that <laughs> because I have uh, three other podcasts I do on top of managing the content for the site and editing and uh, helping a child with ADHD uh, with his schooling. <laughs> okay, you're making me feel a little guilty, but it's still so say we all podcast at gmail.com. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this. I'm amazed I can remember how to put one foot in front of the other some days. So, <laughs> But anyway, there's that. So. Um, so yeah, so you can reach out to us that way if you have anything you want to add. The next two episodes we're going to be covering are episodes four and five. I, of course, as a good, good podcast host, did not look up those episode titles, but just if you're watching Battlestar Galactica with us, you can watch that on Peacock as well for free. I'm watching it on the Blu-rays because, well, um, that's just how I am, right, Vanessa? Yes. <laughs> Jason knows well, everything. <laughs> episode four is Act of Contrition, and episode five is You Can't Go Home Again. I yeah. have the list open still. <laughs> thank you, Stephanie. Uh, thank you. Jeez, oh, saved my ass there. <laughs> so I should have just thrown you and been like, and Stephanie, what are the names of the episodes? And uh, anyway, bad host, bad host. <laughs> so as for me hey, personally. I, I'm the co-host, so I saved you there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate useful. it. <laughs> so as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason Ariola. I also do a video game movie podcast called Robico. <laughs> called Rock Out With Your Card Out, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at RowicoPod, that is R-O-W-Y-C-O pod, and as Vanessa mentioned, we do Multimedia Failure. Um, the Twitter on that one is actually Multimedia Fail, because it, the title was too long to actually fit on Twitter, so. But I thought it was a nice little thing where it's like, oh, hey, every all these movies that 
there are all these video games that move to a movie format. They don't translate very well, so it's a multimedia failure. And then having the Twitter account not quite live up to uh, <laughs> the name itself of the podcast, I thought was a good fit. So it worked completely unintentionally, <laughs> completely unintentionally. But hey, it worked, I suppose, right? Ugh. And I believe that's everything there. So until next time, I'm just going to live sh- long and prosper. Yeah. There's something. <laughs> May the force be with you. <laughs> they say that in Battlestar, right? I'm sure at some point. Surely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, guys. And we'll talk to you next time. So say we all. 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 Dismissed. <laughs>